Welcome to the Northbound Wealth Podcast. All opinions expressed by me, my co-hosts, or my guests are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Northbound Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended as personalized recommendations or fiduciary advice. It is not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for any investment, accounting, legal, and tax advice, or as a solicitation to offer or buy any securities. Clients of Northbound Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Hey everyone, happy post Labor Day. This is Brent Foster, CEO and founder of Northbound Wealth Management. Today is September 5th. Let's dive into the weekly market insights. We'll review last week and then we'll cover some other subject matter that I think is relevant that uh, I think you guys would all be interested in. Stocks open in positive territory for September, basically falling bond yields spurred by weak economic data help lift stocks to weekly gains. The Dow Jones Industrial Average advanced 1.43%, while the S&P 500 gained 2.50%. The NASDAQ Composite Index increased 3.25% for the week. The MSCI EFA Index, which tracks developed overseas stock markets, picked up 2.71%. So what does that mean for the Dow? Well, the Dow closed at 34,837. That's up 5.18, excuse me, that's up 5.10% for the year. NASDAQ closed at 14,031. That's up 34.06% for the year. MSCI EFA index closed at 2,109. That's up 8.50% for the year. The S&P 500 closed at 4,515 holding in at that 4,500 range, uh, up 17.61% for the year. The 10-year Treasury note, which has been the story, closed still above 4% at 4.18%. And that means for the year, it's relatively flat, uh, 30 basis points. Stocks rise on slowing economy. So investor sentiment turned positive last week as signs of economic softness were interpreted as reason for the Fed to hold off on further rate hikes. A downward revision of the second quarter economic growth and fresh signs of a cooling labor market reversed the recent rise in the bond yields. They helped trigger a stock market bounce back following Fed Chair Powell's speech at Jackson Hole the previous Friday. It wasn't all uh, bad news being viewed as good news, though. A series of solid earnings reports and announcement by one mega cap tech name introducing Pricing for its AI tools and fresh inflation data in line with market expectations further boosted enthusiasm for stocks. Signs of labor cooling. So despite historic monetary tightening, the labor market has exhibited remarkable resilience. The last week's employment data showed that there's a cooling trend. Job openings declined to their lowest level since March of 2021, though they remain above pre-pandemic levels. Meanwhile, a survey of private sector hiring showed a slowdown in hiring with employers adding 177,000 jobs in August below the 371,000 added in July and short of economists forecasts of 200,000. Finally, the government's monthly employment report showed the number of non-farm payroll gains continue to decelerate in August while June and July estimates were revised lower by 110,000. So economic data this week, Tuesday, factory orders, Wednesday, uh, Institute for Supply Management or ISM Services Index, Thursday, jobless claims, Friday, consumer credit. 
This week, notable companies reporting earnings. We've got Tuesday, Zscaler, Thursday, DocuSign, which will be interesting. Friday, the Kroger Company. So groceries, and we'll see how the consumer's doing on spending there. Um, protecting your tax data. This is your tax tip of the week. Protecting your data is very important in today's digital age. The IRS service shared guidelines tax pros should follow to protect taxpayer data. But these are also great guidelines for individuals. Antivirus software. This software scans computer files for malicious software or malware on the device. Antivirus vendors find new issues and update malware daily. Always install the latest updates of the software on your computer. Two-factor authentication. Two-factor auth, for short, adds an additional or extra layer of protection beyond just a password. Not only do you enter your username and password, but you also enter a security code sent to another device for extra protection. Drive encryption. So drive encryption transforms sensitive data into unreadable code that cannot be deciphered easily by unauthorized people. So only the authorized person can access the data. And of course, when you're emailing confidential information, make sure you password protect it. This information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax advice. We suggest you discuss your specific tax issues with a qualified tax professional. And this tip was adapted from irs.gov. All right, here we go. We're diving into a few other segments. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. This is Brent Foster. And in this segment, I'm going to go over a blog release that I put out on my website. It's called Understanding the September Effect and what it is and why it happens. So if you ask the average investor which month is the most volatile for the stock market, they would probably say October. It's a reasonable answer, but it's incorrect, actually. Despite October's reputation for market-defining events like the crash of 1929 that led to the Great Depression, Black Monday's drop in 1987 and the federal bank bailout at the start of the Great Recession in 2008. Over the last 25 years, September returns on the S&P 500 stock market index have been worse than October's. This phenomenon has become known as the September effect. And as you can see in the chart below, which is on my blog on my website, this isn't just a U.S. market anomaly, but a global trend that has affected stock markets worldwide. So September has historically been the weakest month for equities globally. And uh, you can see that on that chart there that I posted on the, the blog on the website. So check it out at www.northboundwealth.com and forward slash blog. With uh, September upon us, we wanted to discuss the September effect and assure you that your investment strategy takes into consideration that there will be periods of market volatility. We also want to remind you that the S&P 500 Composite Index is an unmanaged index that is considered representative of the overall U.S. stock market. Index performance is not indicative of past performance of a particular investment. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Individuals cannot invest directly in an index. And the return and principal value of stock prices fluctuate as market conditions change and then when sold shares may be worth more or less than their original cost. So the September effect could have multiple causes. Ask four market strategists what causes the September effect and you'll likely get four different opinions. And while statistics show that September is much more volatile, 
Much of the theory about the September effect is anecdotal. Here's a few. Election season. September usually begins the U.S. election cycle, which can cause investors to reposition their portfolios if they anticipate a power shift in Washington, D.C. While the September effect isn't limited to U.S. markets, U.S. elections can have a ripple effect worldwide. With the midterm election behind us and the 2024 presidential election a year off, the impact of the election may be more muted this year than it would be next year as we get closer to that election. But Politics may still play a role this year. Undoubtedly, I believe that to be the case. Uh, Both the House and the Senate will return from their August breaks and have a few weeks to try to pass spending bills before the end of the current fiscal year on September 30th. There may be some headline impact in September regarding the risk of a government shutdown on October 1st. Markets may react as they did during the debt ceiling negotiations earlier this year. Seasonal rebalancing. At the end of September, children return to school, vacations end, and investors start to position themselves for the final quarter. Trading volumes tend to pick up in September as portfolio managers look to the new year. In addition, institutions and other large investors may need to update their portfolios for year-end reporting. This extra layer of trading can lead to an upswing in volatility, so we'll be tracking the VIX on that one. Uh, Market psychology. While Market psychology and investor sentiment are hard to quantify. They may be among the likeliest causes of the September effect, obviously. Stocks may be volatile in September because investors expect them to be. The follow the herd mentality is hard to resist, especially for some investors. As a result, the September effect can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Wall Street maxims. So if stocks drop this month, it will be another data point to bolster those who believe in the September effect. But should you use that belief or other well-known stock market folklore to improve your investment returns? Some investors swear by Wall Street adages like sell in May and go away or don't fight the Fed or and uh, never try to catch a falling knife. The problem is that many cliches revolve around trying to time the markets. The one investment saying that has merit is, It's time in the market, not timing the market. And uh, that's good good food for thought on that one. Uh, A landmark study by Dalbar in 2023 showed that equity investors posted an average annualized return of 6.81% for the 30-year period ending on December 31st, 2022. While that may sound strong, it's far below the 9.65% return of the S&P 500 index for the same period. Put into dollar terms after 30 years, the investor's original investment of 100000 increased to almost 722000 but the same investment in the S&P 500 would have been worth nearly $1.6 million or more than double that amount. So time in the market versus trying to time the market um, has, has worked for most investors over a long, long period of time, at least today. Um, that could always change. You never know. Uh, This illustration is an example of what can happen over the longer term. Remember that it's unlikely that a portfolio would be 100% investment or invested in the S&P 500, which is an unmanaged index that I went over uh, before. The study concluded by noting often succumbing to short-term strategies such as market timing or performance chasing, many investors lack the knowledge and or ability to exercise the necessary discipline to capture the benefits markets can provide over longer time horizons. 
In short, they too frequently react to market maturations and lower their longer term returns. Bottom line is an individual can be their own worst enemy when it comes to investing. Remember, when you try to time the market, you have to be correct twice, once when leaving the market and once when deciding to reinvest. So what's the cost of missing the market's best days? Guys, during a year like 2022, with markets down by double digits, it's understandable that some investors were concerned about their overall strategy, but sitting on the sidelines can often mean missing the market's best days. According to a study by JP Morgan, a $10,000 investment in the S&P 500 on January 1st of 2002 grew to $61,685 by December 31st, 2021. However, sitting in cash and missing out on just the 10 best days over those 20 years, think about that, 10 best days over those 20 years, the value would have been cut by more than half to $28,260. Miss the best 20 days and the value would drop to only $16,804 Of course, past performance is no guarantee of future results, but uh, that's some very uh, telling data. Stick with your strategy. Market timing is a challenge because some of the most significant gains happen when you least expect them, while some of the worst days occur when everything seems to be going great. We would all love to miss the worst market days, but it's difficult to avoid them and still capture the best ones. So don't get wrapped up in thinking about things you can't control like the September effect. The investment strategy reflects your goals, time horizon and risk tolerance. And our approach takes market fluctuations into consideration. If you have any questions about your asset allocation or your investment strategy um, and would like a complimentary review, please reach out to us at www.northboundwealth.com. Go to the contact page and send us a note. We'd be happy to uh, line up a time to discuss your unique strategy with you. Eye-opening yet true. About 62% of parents are not saving adequately for their child's college education. A mere 56% of American families have a college saving strategy. An alarming number of parents, 47% of Gen Z, and 35% of millennials are unsure of how much to save or how to go about preparing to save for college. September is College Savings Month. Shines a light on this topic. The above statistics underscore the need for strategic knowledge of a financial professional. Here's my two quick tips. Number one, consider starting early. Even small, regular contributions can add up over time. And number two, Know your choices. Various college savings tools are available. One of them may be a fit for your situation. Feel free to contact me to explore how to prepare for college and how that can fit into your overall financial strategy. Hey everyone, in this segment, we're going to talk about uh, an article that was written by Reinhard Krauss over at IBD or Investors Business Daily. And the headline of that uh, reads, the one generative AI risk that no one is talking about. Uh, He's a tech writer for them. And uh, basically, 
Backers of open source artificial intelligence believe it will democratize access to tools, but Wall Street frets that it could make AI technology a commodity. So what's interesting about this is um, I think everyone knows about AI, so artificial intelligence, and uh, it just the success of ChatGPT and the way the AI tools are going to be used, and it's a major disruptor. We're finally at that point where now it can be rolled out and really start to be utilized in the marketplace. So I thought it would be appropriate to um, go through this article that I thought was uh, very informative. Um, there's uh, a little bit of technical stuff that you got to know ahead of time to be interested in it, but I think most people can follow along. Um, the struggle over who controls the course of key technology and how much is as old as the tech sector itself. So it's no surprise that the scuffle has crept into artificial intelligence where free open source systems are lining up against patented generative AI products such as ChatGPT. The battleground involves large language models or LLMs. And I'm going to go over that, uh, the use of LLMs as an acronym quite a bit. So it's called large language models, which are complex algorithms that lie at the heart of artificial intelligence. From Wall Street to Silicon Valley, industry players are taking sides as the AI boom pits big tech firms defending their proprietary technology against equally large challengers drawn to unfettered programs. Backers of open source AI believe it will democratize the access to artificial intelligence tools further. They see open source making it cheaper and easier for researchers to develop new LLMs or large language models and for entrepreneurs to launch commercial products. But Wall Street analysts who cover AI stocks like Microsoft, Google Parent Alphabet, or Google, uh, fret that open source AI will turn proprietary models such as ChatGPT made by startup OpenAI into commodities. Microsoft is the biggest investor in OpenAI, which despite the name runs a proprietary systems. Many regard its ChatGPT and other systems as more advanced than most, if not all rivals. Meanwhile, Google is readying a next generation proprietary LLM called Gemini. So I just, as an aside at Northbound Wealth Management, we want to be investing in the largest companies typically are going to have their hand in this and make sure that they're not disrupted themselves and that they profit from it. So um, thankfully, I mean, most of my clients have exposure to these names, whether it's through an index or own them directly. Uh, so Meta, Amazon Advocate Open Source. So for all the strength of Microsoft and Google, open source AI models from other notable tech stocks are quickly improving in, in capability. A big reason is that Facebook parent meta platforms is making an, its open source large language models available to researchers and commercial developers. Analysts see Facebook getting a lift as software developers build AI-powered apps for content creators, small businesses, and uh, advertisers. Count e-commerce and cloud computing giant Amazon in the open source camp as well. It's working with several open source um, de developers. Analysts say there's plenty of upside for Amazon, which lags OpenAI's ChatGPT and Microsoft if, in fact, LLMs are commoditized. Depending on their development goals, large companies may be able to use open source AI models to build apps 
rather than license technology from OpenAI, Microsoft, or Google. Anyone can reuse open source LLMs, which are large language models, and build on top of them. As a result, more efficient open source models are emerging that reduce the computing power needed to, quote, and end quote, train LLMs, or essentially feed them data. Sounds like a baby. What is a large language model? Large language models understand the way that humans write and speak. They allow users to interact with AI systems without the need to understand or write algorithms, analysts say. The models process prompts, which as internet search queries, that describe what a user wants to get. LLMs require training data for specific tasks. They're made of neutral networks or mathematical models that imitate the human brain that generate outputs from the training data. Wrap your brain around that. <laughs> what sets OpenAI's ChatGPT, Google's Gemini, and other large language models apart is the size of data sets called parameters used to train the LLMs. The more data a large language model is trained up upon, the more powerful its capabilities can become. OpenAI trained its GPT 3.5 LLM, large language model, using 175 billion parameters. That's a few. Uh, its new GPT 4 LLM reportedly uses 1.75 trillion with a T parameters. So way bigger. Google hasn't disclosed how many Gemini will use. Meanwhile, Meta uses an open source model called Llama, basically. It's in, that's an interesting name. Its second version of Llama tops out at 70 billion parameters. Building competitive moats around generative AI, so it's called defenses, moats, defenses, right? Wall Street prefers competitive moats or barriers to entry that prevent rivals from stealing customers. RBC Capital anal Analyst Rishi Jaria told Investors Business Daily. And so analysts like the different capabilities that various large language models possess. So quote, uh, OpenAI still has the best large language mo models. Google and others are playing catch up, he said. Commoditization would be a bad thing because that means there's no moat. And as investors were attracted to moats. Jalria went on to say OpenAI's advantage comes from the amount of data, the amount of money invested in the time they've put into it. And I think they won't be con commoditized anytime soon. Microsoft's ability to get a return on its $10 billion investment in OpenAI would be impacted if ChatGPT's performance edge goes away. Boy, do I feel bad about that as a, as a side. I guess as an investor, I wouldn't want that to happen. But uh, anyway, I think they've done quite well with that. Microsoft said that as of mid-July, its Azure OpenAI cloud computing service had more than 9,500 customers, up from 2,500 plus in April. Microsoft is among AI stocks to watch. Microsoft stock recently hit a record high on AI developments. The company declined to comment for the story here in the IBD. And uh, continuing on, Linux sets precedent for open source AI. So Linux sees an opportunity here, right? So history provides plenty of examples, though, uh, of technologies that become commodities. The IBM personal computer in the 1980s is probably the most famous example. In software, 
Investors may also be familiar with open source programs from Linux. Unlike proprietary operating systems like Microsoft Windows, Linux code is free and Linux became widely distributed under open source licenses. Open source developers make software available free of charge. They also enable programmers to modify and share the underlying source code and create their own apps. Open source AI will coexist with proprietary models, says Oren Itsoni, former CEO of Allen Institute for AI, an advisor and board member for the Institute's research arm, A12. Microsoft's co-founder Paul Allen started that institute. I think that the operating system analogy is informative, he told IBD in an email. Microsoft, Apple, and a few others invested billions in developing operating systems over decades. Despite that, Linux has become a first-class OS. I believe the same will happen here. Models at heart of generative AI. The rub is that while free open source licenses, models at heart of generated AI. So the rub is that while free open source licenses drove innovation in the software industry, they yielded few winners on Wall Street. It's hard to generate revenue and profits from open source business models. Jalria notes that Red Hat acquired by IBM for $34 billion in 2019 was an exception. Still, the competitive landscape in the emerging LLM market will have many twists and turns. The use of generative AI technologies could roil a host of industries by creating text, images, photo, video, and computer programming code on their own. Further, generative AI is quickly finding applications in marketing, drug development, video gaming, and customer support with the rise of generative AI. One question for investors is whether giant tech stocks will dominate an artificial intelligence or if startups will flourish and eventually go public. Amazon spreads bets on open source. So while Microsoft and OpenAI's ChatGPT remain bonded, Amazon's cloud computing unit, AWS, or Amazon Web Services, works with several LLM startups. They include Hugging Face, Cohere, Anthropic, Stability.ai, and AI21 Labs. Both Hugging Face and Stability AI are open source companies. Those are so interesting names. In addition, AWS has teamed with United Arab Emirates Technology Innovation Institute to make a leading open source LLM available for researchers and commercial use. Developers trained the Institute's Falcon 40B open source LLM on 40 billion parameters. It's among the leading LLMs used by Hugging Face, which operates an AI code repository for application developers. We believe that there isn't one model to rule them all, Matt Wood of AWS, which is Amazon Web Services VP for products, told the Investor's Business Daily. While Microsoft's cloud unit has 9,500 customers for the OpenAI service, Wood declined to say how many AWS customers are working on generative AI. Uh, it's, he said, quote, it's, very early days, he said, uh, we're three steps into a 20 mile hike. So uh, apparently he thinks it's going to go on forever. Implications for Amazon. So Wood went on to say, right now, if you triangulate forward, I think both proprietary and open source models will have a role to play. Some customers are going to prefer open source models because they can't be optimized for use cases. And some will take a proprietary approach. Those models are much larger. They have significant capability and maybe better uh, for super use cases that have a 
different cost profile. I didn't know there was a super use case. He added, uh, quote, different models serve different purposes, which is why the model selection really matters. Customers want to use the foundation models along with their own data, which is often already stored in AWS to create a unique net new asset for their organization. Okay, I see the difference there. Okay. Some analysts expect AWS to get a boost from commoditization of large language models. While AWS is coming from behind on LLMs, our checks suggest that foundational models will be commoditized, which would benefit AWS. UBS analyst Lloyd Walmsley said in a recent note to clients, well-funded startup Databricks is pushing an open source model called Dolly. It's available on Amazon's cloud platform. At Morgan Stanley analyst Brian Nowak said in a note that, quote, partnerships and open source models play a key role in AWS library of foundational models. Therefore, the extent to which open source models continue to close the gap in performance between proprietary models likely helps drive further adoption of AWS. AI building, uh, in parentheses, a, a bedrock service of, of what they offer. So open AI uh, is not open source. OpenAI was conceived as an open source company, but it isn't one now. Chief Executive Sam Altman and tech industry maverick Elon Musk formed the company in 2015 as a nonprofit research-oriented entity. OpenAI created a for-profit arm in 2019, a year after Musk left. OpenAI now charges for access to a more powerful versions of ChatGPT. Also, it licenses LLMs to businesses. Customers can access OpenAI's generative AI technology in cloud using application program interfaces or APIs. API plugins act as an intermediary in building AI products like brand-specific chatbots or virtual assistants. In, in a February 23rd tweet, Musk said, quote, OpenAI was created as an open source, which is why I named it OpenAI. Nonprofit company to serve as a counterweight to Google, but now it's become a closed source, maximum profit company effectively controlled by Microsoft, not what I intended at all, end quote, because Microsoft owns a 49% stake in OpenAI. It has access to the entire OpenAI and ChatGPT code base, according to Musk's tweets. OpenAI did release a free version of ChatGPT in November, but researchers have no access to the data and the code used to build the ChatGPT family of LLMs. Funny how that happened. Um, but I will let all of you know that we use, uh, here at Northbound, we have uh, a, uh, APIs that connect and allow us to do a lot of um, uh, efficient work uh, with our tech stack in the wealth management business. So we're definitely utilizing uh, forward-thinking technologies in a prudent manner. Google Memo, no generative AI moats. So investor concern over possible commoditization of LLMs or large language models, as a reminder, heated up after the leak of Google employee memo in April. The memo called, uh, we have no moat and neither does OpenAI focused on the looming threat of open source AI. It noted that Stanford researchers built a new LLM called Alpaca using Meta's Llama and other data sets. Meta released the first version of Llama to researchers in February. For Google, the problem was that Alpaca, the Alpaca model, when tested versus OpenAI's ChatGPT, performed reasonably well using much less computing power. 
who would pay for Google product with usage restrictions if there is a free high quality alternative without them? Asked the researcher's memo. Google declined an interview for the story, but Google executives have criticized Meta's release of open source LLMs. Google also says bad actors could gain access to models leading to misuse and the spread of disinformation. In July, Microsoft, Google, OpenAI, and Anthropic formed the Frontier Model Forum. The company said in the forum will focus on responsible deployment and control of AI systems. Meta's Mark Zuckerberg fires back. Meta chief uh, executive Mark Zuckerberg defended the company's open source AI strategy in recent podcast interview with Lex Friedman a computer scientist at uh, MIT. Zuckerberg said Meta's open source strategy will drive innovation on its social media platform. Further, he said the capabilities of current state and state-of-the-art LLMs do not pose a threat to society. For the stage we're in, the development of AI, I don't think anyone believes this super. This is super intelligence, he said. The models we're talking about, the llama models, are an order of magnitude smaller than what OpenAI or Google are doing. Zuckerberg continued, at this stage, the equity in my view is bound strongly towards doing this more openly. If you've got to do something that was close to super intelligent, then you might have to think through that. We haven't made a decision yet. Analysts expect social media giant to unveil more of its generative AI strategy September 27th at the Meta Connect user conference. Because of Meta, the performance gap between OpenAI and ChatGPT's open source LLMs have narrowed since February, Gartner analyst uh, Aaron told IBD. Custom artificial intelligence. From an enterprise CIO to CTO view, companies are clearly going to consider using open source large language models, he said. Aaron also went on to say uh, open source LLMs will give companies a low cost option for fine-tuning bigger models for industry-specific apps using their own data sets. For companies that want to customize a model, there's going to be a much better starting point, he added. And more models that come to market, clearly there will be more price competition. Wall Street analysts say software companies like Salesforce and Adobe have access to data troves that will enable them to develop industry-specific models and applications for generative AI technology. Adobe has been adding AI tools to its platform. Many experts see software companies merging company-owned data with LLMs to create new business insights. Generative AI is expected to boost productivity across the U.S. economy, though there will be uh, job losses. So uh, if you're going to get disrupted, just Keep that in mind as you go to college and maybe get out there. You, Yeah, you might want to be diverse in your uh, expertise. Enterprise market for generative AI. Most uh, enterprises will take a hybrid approach. A recent TD Cowan report said they will leverage the foundational algorithms from core LLMs and then layer them on smaller language models that can be fine-tuned and trained to incorporate it in organizational's proprietary data and targeted use cases. That's awesome. I love it. The report added, this will give rise to many emerging open source commercial LLM providers. So immediately I go, well, why can't we just disrupt the IRS? You know, why does Biden want to hire like 87,000 IRS agents? Why can't we just use AI to do it Um, and do our taxes super efficiently? Maybe giving us all a break on our taxes because of it. Tax back if you use like something like that. We don't need, you know, of course, 
we need, we want CPAs to help us with our planning and stuff like that. But my goodness, like, wouldn't it be nice if the government actually had a clue and could implement uh, AI into their systems and, and run really efficiently to not have IRS agents? I don't know. It's just ridiculous. Okay. There, there's a thought. I don't know why I have that opinion, but I do. I kind of do know why I have that opinion. Um, if open source AI does eventually commoditize the large language model market, what happens to them? Companies like Microsoft will need to integrate LLMs into value-added applications and platforms, which they can then sell, right, for profit. Oppenheimer analyst Tim Horan said in a recent note, Microsoft is already moving in that direction uh, with this uh, co-pilot AI software tools priced at $30 monthly per user. Goldman Sachs analyst Cash Rangan shares a similar view with Haran. The AI space won't be the land of just the giants, Rangan said in a note. The application layer will be wide open for innovation. Use cases will be invented for AI technology that nobody has even thought of yet. Fascinating. I love it. Four AI stocks at a glance. So you got Meta, Amazon, Alphabet, which is Google, uh, and then Microsoft. And um, and it kind of goes through what open source. So Meta and Amazon are the open sourcers. Alphabet, Microsoft um, are the proprietary ones right now. Um, so Reinhard Krauss, well done on uh, publishing this article. He is um, an analyst for the IBD and a journalist for the IBD, and he provides updates on 5G wireless, artificial intelligence, cybersecurity, and cloud computing areas. And he's got a multitude of articles there. I wanted to go over that. I think that's great insight for people trying to learn more about artificial intelligence, LLMs, generative AI, and this new world that we're coming into. Um, that's a, that's going to disrupt a lot of aspects of how we do business. And I think if we harness it, it's going to be great. And if we regulate it in such a way that it, you know, it's not just let loose all the time, then it'll be good. But yeah, there you go. I'll have other innovative segments on upcoming podcasts. So, uh, like subscribe, enjoy of having a little bit of, uh, information about AI. Hey everyone, I just want to make a public service announcement. I want to invite you all to the first annual Warrior Golf Outing by Fair Warrior and Fight Club on September 11th. Uh, we're going to try to raise some funds for uh, the men's ministry of Fair Warrior and Fight Club, as well as for families of 9-11. So love to see you guys out at Eagle Creek Golf Club. Um, you can register by going to my website, uh, and I've got an events tab. If you click on that, you can click on the links that take you to, uh, to what fair warrior is and what fight club is also to the registration, uh, link, uh, uh, to register to golf and you can sign up for a foursome there or just sign up individually. And then we'll put you in a foursome. I say we, because I'm trying to help them out. And uh, let me tell you, I've been a part of Fair Warrior and Fight Club since 2015. I've experienced a, a great benefit from the program as well as witnessed significant life change in other men and their families over the years. It's one of the best programs around for men and young men, in my opinion. I, we've seen so much good uh, come of it and uh, in just many different ways, whether it's physically, relationally, 
spiritually, mentally. So if you want to be challenged, check them out. Kickoff is going to be on uh, September 14th, kicking off at like 11 at night, going to three in the morning. There's no reason why you need sleep. You could definitely be there for kickoff. It's one of the best events of the round. And it's a 10 week round, focusing on many different areas to improve yourself. Accountability is one big part of them. Becoming more of a leader is another, not only in your home, but you're in your communities and among other men. So Uh, I encourage you guys to check it out. Really excited to have it at Eagle Creek Golf Club. Uh, Sycamore Course is a really good one. It's down in Indianapolis. And uh, come join us September 11th, uh, 9 a.m. Shotgun starts, uh, goes to about three. There'll be lunch. Bring your clubs, sign up, and uh, have a good time with a bunch of other dudes. I hope you guys have a great week and weekend. We'll talk to you soon.